0: Frequencies are open. Welcome to the Infinite Potato Alliance. From the historic Cosmic Potato Studios, welcome to that Star Trek podcast. This is your place for detailed analysis and speculation of all things Trek. Now, on with the show.
1: Okay, so Vatic is in pursuit of Titan, but Shaw, Shaw and them is clever. They're dropping uh, fake transponder beacons, so Vatic thinks they are where they ain't. They, the Titan knows where she is, and she is not happy.
2: The next ill-defined, unshapen one of you that tells me they've yet to locate Picard. Mm-mm-mm. I want the names and locations of every known associate of Jean-Luc Picard, Starfleet College, and present. Uh,
1: so Beverly does a uh, a micro. Uh, I'm sorry, a neuroscan. Beverly did a, a micro neuroscan. She scans Jack's brain.
2: According to this, Jack has Aromotic Syndrome.
1: Uh, Which is the same genetic disease that Picard has.
2: Portions of the brain related to cognition, imagination, all affected.
1: And Picard's like, oh shit, I gave my boy a disease.
2: Please don't spend time burdening yourself when you can unburden him.
1: You know what? My autocorrect keeps trying to change uh, aromatic Syndrome to Aromatic Syndrome aromatic syndrome which actually sounds quite pleasant but it is not it is a brain disease so jack is uh drinking in fake 10 forward after you get the news
0: another one please landlord. off my old man as well turns out i'm not crazy
1: i'm just broken and they remind us that uh picard is not really picard he's picard 2.0
0: how did you survive it i didn't Right, the positronics A new fully synth prototype body.
1: So then Jack sticks the knife in just a little bit more.
0: For so long,
1: my mother thought to protect me from you. Maybe I was doing before I was even born. I mean, all right. So at this point, Worf and Raffi beam on board the Titan, and there is a bit of an awkward reunion between Raffi and Seven. Hey, you. You all right? Well, alive, if that's what you mean. Girl, that is not what she meant, but okay. So the main characters have a, have a have a team meeting, and Worf gives a quick recap about the Dominion War, and they uh, reveal their plan to break into Daystrom Station and figure out what else uh, Vattic, uh
0: stole from there. Roe believed that whatever they're planning, it's somehow tied to Starfleet's Frontier Day. In less than 48 hours,
3: we're running out of time.
1: So there ain't
0: many guards, but
1: there is a powerful, smart AI that they are using as security. So Worf and Raffi and Riker beam down and the hacker key works, but out of nowhere, uh, Starfleet ships uh, start descending upon their location, and Picard is like, cheese it, it's the cops. We've got company up here, we can't get to you. And he's like, we gotta bounce, but uh, stay strong, my my sister and my brothers, we'll be back. Forge, get us out of here, maximum warp. So Picard tells Ensign LaForge to set a course uh, for Papa LaForge, aka de LaForge, uh, and she's like, okay, but he's not gonna like it, and they take off for the fleet museum because uh, that's where uh, Jordy is now. He is running the museum. Meanwhile, we on The three down on Daystrom Station are taking a virtual tour through Starfleet history and memorabilia with the uh, Tribbles and Genesis and bodies. Oh my. And they come across Moriarty and they're like, jeez, it's the cops. But it turns out it wasn't the cops and it actually even wasn't Moriarty because at the center of it all was Data. Well, sort of Data. But before we talk about Data, I just, I just want to say I was about to be annoyed that this super advanced AI weapon system would just miss three people who are wandering around in the f***ing hallway because that happens a lot in sci-fi, uh, but it's, it's fine because they explained that it wasn't really trying to hurt him anyway. Anyway, so they find data and they figure out that he is the AI security and he is also the manifest that they need and he is also Soon, and he is Lore, and he is Data, and he's Before, and he's the scientist from Independence Day, and he's the redneck from Night Court, and he's everybody else that Brent has ever played in his whole uh, career. So, the, By the way, so they find a, a video message from uh, Soon, and it is a message for every hater <laughs> uh, who is like, New Trek is not real Star Trek.
0: That wasn't just poor humanity, it was poor science. Fiction evolution is not an act of preservation it's addition
1: just a little something for y'all anyhow the titan shows up at the fleet museum like your like your freeloading cousin who who just shows up to crash on the couch and hide out from the law and maybe borrow a few bucks jordy. and jordy is not trying to hear it
4: power down all of your ship's non-essential systems immediately
1: uh, also, there is some uh, clear tension between Sydney and her father. It's impossible. Uh, but she and her sister are close. I'll do
5: what I can.
1: And there's another trip down a separate memory lane for the fans as they get to see a bunch of old ships from the Star Trek franchise. Uh, so, Geordi and Alondra, that's the other daughter, explain to Picard that even if I wanted to help you, sir, and I do not, I couldn't help you just clone our ship's transponder signal you can drop transponder signals all you want but the titan is a beacon and he's like look i got family now and you are putting them at risk and you know and you know what if i was picard personally i would be grumpy too because none of the people that i consider my best friends ever want to hang out with me because they're like you're too dangerous except for will because will is ride or die and also he needed some uh, private time away from home okay so back on the bridge uh, Seven and uh, Jack share a nice moment.
5: We're just a little bit alone,
0: homie. Stars in the same galaxy, but light years
2: between us. Oh, you are definitely your father's son. He too has a knack for the um, poetic drive-by observation. It can be very annoying, but it can also make a person feel seen.
0: I can't say being equal parts irritating and endearing is entirely
1: unfamiliar and and that was nice i I feel you man also on the equal parts thing i I feel that in my soul anyway uh joyty says no and he's like uh go to your room on the museum and she's like no dad you don't understand me you are not the boss of me and i did not ask to uh be born she didn't really go that far, but she does say...
2: You would believe in this if you believed in me. You're
6: out here on the run, jeopardizing your future, your
2: entire life. I'm on the run with my crew. You're not your family. Yes, they are. you taught me that.
1: So all the young'uns uh, secretly hatch a plan to steal the cloaking device off the Klingon ship from Star Trek IV, which is ironic when you think about it, uh, that this is ostensibly a heist episode, and you think it's about the manifest, but it's actually... A double heist episode because they also stole the cloaking device. And arguably, you could say that that was the more successful heist, uh, you know, for reasons that we'll get to later. So Picard and Geordie are saying their goodbyes when the ship that they're on starts cloaking, but like cloaking badly, uh, like it never really learned how to cloak. Like if, like if, like if, uh, I don't know, if Rick was trying to dubstep or something, I don't know. It's like, I've seen it, but I don't really know how to do it. Anyway, uh, Picard is like, don't look at me. I didn't do it. Jack, me. And Geordi is like... Removing the
0: device tripped an automatic security alarm. Have you any idea how many Federation treaties this violates?
1: But I tell you, Jean-Luc is fresh out of uh, Jean-Luc f**ks to give.
0: Well, I guess they'll just have to add it to my tab.
1: So Geordi goes down to fix the glitchy cloak. And you, stay away from it. door. And the show has picked up another member of the old crew and we are well on our way to collecting the whole set. So they head back to Daystrom to pick up Worf and Riker and Rafi. We're
7: on our way, Mr. Worf. We're gonna cloak near the station to avoid Starfleet detection. You have 90 seconds. Cloak with what?
1: My guess, superior Klingon technology. I mean, he's not wrong. Uh, So Riker is like... Take the data with us. Because he is my friend and he is the manifest. So it's a win-win. It's a win-win for the Manifest Friend.
3: Tell the Titan to lock on an extra
0: seven coordinates.
1: So there's a daring escape, but they don't all escape.
0: We've got incoming. We're not going to make it. Yes, you are. Get our friend out of
1: here. So Riker gets captured, but the rest of them uh, beam away and the Titan gets away and it cloaks and it gets away. And Worf is like, if, if Liam Neeson from Taken was mixed with uh, Aragorn from Lord of the Rings when he was going after Merry and Pippin.
7: I will find him, Admiral. I will bring William Riker home. And fearful be the god or man
1: or beast that stands
7: in my way.
1: Worf has a very particular set of skills for Frodo. So after that, uh, Jack goes in to talk with Picard. And he's like, uh, can we forget about the things I said when I was drunk? I did not mean to call you that. And then they have a moment too.
0: Look, I can be a lot of things. Mostly the prick at the bar who says things he can't take back. A bit cocky. A bit. However, I'm mostly caring often tenacious, principled. Those things I get from my mother. But I can also be brave, loyal, and far wiser than I have any right to be. Until a week ago, I didn't know where those traits came from. Maybe he didn't just give me some bullshit disease.
1: Jack's like endearing now. He's a little bit endearing now. Uh, meanwhile, Jordy and Sydney talk while Jordy is examining data. And he says, you know what? You, you are right, Little Apple. You did not uh, fall far from my tree. And, and so they're good now. And uh, Jordy is like, okay, so Data is in there, but so is the guy from Independence Day. So I don't know how helpful he's going to be. And so he pushes Data's back of the neck button, and he reboots uh, Data. <laughs> I'm playing. I'm playing. Uh, Data obviously did not make that sound. In part because uh, he is not an Apple product. He is an Android. What? What? anyway data is that you
5: yes sir no sir I I am not certain
1: so data wakes up and he is in there but so is uh all the other uh, Star Trek data people and so the rest of the crew is like okay man can you just can you keep it together for a little bit and let us let us know what we need to know data can you tell us what was stolen
0: Jo Picard? yes data I'm here. I repeat, can you tell us what was stolen, Jolokar? car And
1: it takes them a minute, but it finally clicks.
2: Human remains.
1: It was his God God goddamn corpse. corpse. So cut back to Daystrom Station, uh, where they are beating the hell out of Will Riker, and he's like, "Nope, and uh, I ain't telling you shit." And the one beating up on him turns around and shoots the other two officers and then transforms because it was Vadic the whole f-ing time. And she takes him and they fly away. And Will is like, spoiler, uh, space bitch, I still don't give a
0: shit. You really think after 35 years of loyalty that I'm gonna betray my friends for you?
1: But Vadic was like, No,
0: Captain Riker,
1: not for me. And she, then she makes a, a transparent wall. And she's like, that's right, Earth bitch. I told you we was collecting the whole f***ing set, didn't I? And Deanna Troy is in there. Is it the real Deanna? Or is it the Changeling Deanna? We do not know at this point. I personally suspect that it is real. Tune in next week to find out. Oh, real. Yeah. And that's where they leave it.
7: Hello everybody and welcome back to another episode of That Star Trek Podcast, your one stop for discussion, reviews, speculation, and all things Trek. We have uh, nearly a full house this week uh, as we discuss Star Trek Picard Season 3 Episode 6 titled The Bounty, written by Christopher Monfette and directed by Dan Liu. Uh, let's go around the table. We're going to introduce everyone that is here on the panel with us this week. Uh, we have, as usual, Rick. How are you? Uh, it's been a weird week. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> I get it. That that's from the show. We have, <laughs> as always, Nick Yeager joining us from the the great snowy north. How are things?
2: <laughs> snowy.
7: What 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 a shock! <laughs> I surprised myself. Um, joining us as well. We have Tom Madison, how are you? Hello. Well done. <laughs> uh and uh, uh joining us once again uh uh the 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 great bird of the infinite potato alliance galaxy. We have Sean Ray, how are you?
3: I'm good. Stay away from my daughter. <laughs>
7: <laughs> <laughs> That's also from the show. And something <laughs> and something I realized Uh, Just yesterday, as I was doing a little bit of mild prep work for the show, uh, every time that we do an episode and I go around the table to have everyone introduce themselves, there's someone I always forget. I'm your host, Scott Madison, (laughs) which I never, ever say. But this time I did, just in case anyone wondered what my actual name was. (laughs) Now that we've established that, we're going to jump into the show uh now dear listeners you have as always uh, heard the synopsis of this week's episode from uh, from the wonderful john irons who is not with us at the moment we anticipate that he will be joining us at some point in progress uh but since you know what happened on this week's episode uh let's go around as we always do and give our broad stroke general impressions of this week's episode i'm going to go in reverse order i'm going to start with sean what did you think of this week's episode
3: I thought this episode was fantastic. I thought it was ten times better than the last episode. I'm sorry, I know you guys were watching it through row colored glasses, but
4: <laughs>
3: but uh, and I can nice. I'll later in the show later in the show I'll probably uh, go a little further into why I didn't like last week's episode, but this episode was great. This was, as my wife put it while we were watching it, she said this is porn for Trekkies. And I was like, <laughs> I mean yeah since that's something I, I completely did, different i did kind of rewind and pause it a few times you're probably right
6: <laughs> you know you are not the first person to say that but, uh <laughs> one of our one of our listeners from mm-hmm. way back uh just like dm'd me the other day he's like this episode is porn i'm like what <laughs> <laughs> this episode of picard is porn i was like
3: yeah, you're not wrong. <laughs>
7: mm-hmm. yeah.
3: Stay away, I am a little excited. All
7: right, <laughs> All right so taking the uh, taking the, the porn aspect, I'm gonna say, Tom, <laughs> work with that.
5: what do you think of this episode?
7: <laughs> Come up with uh, something better than Trek porn.
4: Better than Trek porn? I just kept hearing uh, one of the lines from the pitch meetings. That's from this show. Yeah. <laughs> That's from the other show.
7: And yes I mean, it is sir yes.
5: Indeed. Wow, wow, wow. <laughs> yeah
4: um i i love the episode um lot we, we've commented before about a card especially season three is pandering to the audience and it's just playing fan service a lot and this is the most fan servicing of fan service episodes that they've had so far um But they also really threw a couple twists in there that from the trailers, at least I hope it's going to end up that way as we see further episodes that, you know, just uh, uh, things that I expected to see from the trailers, and they just totally threw that out the window. Um, So I liked it. It's, I would say the fan servicing was almost getting right on the edge of excessive, you know which side
7: of that edge we'll probably discuss yet, but Mm -hmm. uh, good episode, it was fun. All right, wonderful. Uh, Neek, how did you feel about this episode?
2: Well, I didn't dislike it. Like any episode, there are things I liked, things I really didn't, Um, but I'm gonna be maybe the anti-Shawn tonight, (laughs) like, (laughs) I loved last week's. And so this week's was a bit of a dip for me. It's like, again, it was fine. Like, I liked it. But, you know, after watching it, going online and seeing everyone losing their minds, being like, this is the best thing ever. I'm like, what am I missing? Like, what? Why is everyone freaking out? Like, what? Like, I understand what you're referring to when you say it was porn, but. I guess I, I'm not moved by the th- same things as you guys, so <laughs> I'll leave it at that.
7: Yeah, and I I think uh, sorry, Rick, but we we will get to you in just one second. But I yeah, man, I think worry. that's probably something that's happening across all of Star Trek fandom is depending on what nostalgia strings they are plucking in each episode, different people are going to react differently, more more or less strongly to the the nostalgia tones that. That they're playing. Um, last week, ev- everyone who remembered Row fondly went absolutely bonkers because she was back. This week, people who like uh, Jordy and people who like Voyager—they're going to react to this episode in in ways that Roe fans did last week. So it's it's all a matter of what elements they decide to to bring back and and show us. That we remember from previous episodes. I will episodes.
2: admit I did tear up when Seven gave her Voyager speech. I, mm-hmm. I'm not made of stone. Yeah, <laughs> so, so did I.
7: So did I. Um, Alright, and f- finally, Rick, um, give us your two cents. What'd you think?
6: Uh, I too love this episode. I agree, you know, but as has as been well established, pander to me. I love it. I love being pandered to. However, I am going to take issue with the the, uh, the, the the labeling of this show as unbridled fan service because a lot of times in the past especially with the newer trek shows when they've pandered it hasn't always been very skillfully done and i felt that most of the pandering in or i'm gonna stop calling it pandering most of the callbacks in this episode were very organic to the story with one exception which I can get into it now if you want. It's it's not a very lengthy discussion, but it's something they made a big deal out of in trailers, and then it turned out to be barely a cameo. Oh, Moriarty! Yeah, Moriarty. Yeah, yeah that's um, what I was getting at. That that pissed me off because I was like, I was looking forward to Moriarty, and then it turned out it one it wasn't even him.
5: <laughs> it's just... You
2: know, you know what? I actually respect the misdirect. I I I appreciate the guts it took to put such a red herring in the trailers because i'm like john i do not want spoilers i don't even want to watch trailers i just you know because i'm a person who exists with the internet i can't help but see these things yeah but i i don't want to know those things so the fact that whoever made this trailer was like you know what i'm gonna mess with these losers (laughs) do we we know
3: do we know that it wasn't him because yes it would make sense for him to be there
2: no, no it was right. data
6: wearing
7: moriarty as a mask
2: yeah they, it's oh, okay. actually said explicitly by Riker. He, he says oh it's it's
7: this is not the moriarty that this we is encountered not the moriarty the
2: we know and then later on okay. he, he he doubles down and says um i can't remember the exact line but he so he's twice says confirms that it's it's data conjuring these things and it's not the real moriarty now i'll grant
6: you the actor is a million years old and maybe that was all he could take (laughs) but still (laughs) and and i i dig what you're saying nick about the the misdirect and yes from from you know i hadn't really thought about it that way because i was really looking forward to moriarty and then when it was done i was like wait what but yeah i I can appreciate the uh
3: well yeah i mean uh, i was kind of hesitant with moriarty because i was like how is he gonna fit into this but you know the whole the whole scene you know of hearing pieces of music and then riker has to whistle Bob goes to weasel i was like man that feels like a puzzle from a video game that's how you get to the next <laughs> level <laughs>
6: well consider who's writing star trek now they're the kids there you know they were the kids that grew up playing video games so you know, mm-hmm. I, th- this isn't the first time that a star trek plot has been you know like a you know side quest yeah, yeah yeah um, but overall it was I really, nice to
3: see um i'm sorry go ahead rick
6: i, I, I just I, I just just finishing up I, I really enjoyed the episode uh the easter eggs galore which i mm. intend to talk about in not in detail anyway yes i love the episode it was it, i i enjoyed it i i i think last week's and this week's were equal i wish picard has been doing this sort of quality stuff from the get-go you know it's it's a little late in the game to be getting so
7: good but you know at, at least it's here yeah b- better the final season than not at all
3: yeah yeah I'll yeah and it was I, it was really good as a as a TNG fan knowing the the uh formula that most of those episodes took it was good to see Riker in charge of an away team again <laughs> i like that <laughs> <laughs> and and ha-
6: how has star trek ever made a better use of the who's on first gag. Yeah.
3: <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. The, and the, uh, the, the attack triple was, was funny, but we can I mean, <laughs> go into all the, all the gags and everything as we go, mm. but, uh,
7: let's, uh, I'll refer to my notes to see what I have, uh, what I wrote. Th- all right. <laughs> I always write stuff down. Um, now the, of course, uh, I take my notes when I do my rewatch of the episode Uh, and it wasn't until after Worf and Raffi arrived on the Titan and everyone got into the observation, into the, yeah, uh, it's either the observation lounge or the ward room. I don't know what they're calling it, Um, but everyone's sitting around the the table and I didn't end up taking a note until Picard said burgle and and Riker complimented him on that. And even Shaw gave an approving nod. Yeah. Good. I, yeah.
3: I laughed out loud at that. I mean, in the middle. Of, excellent use of the word burgle, Admiral.
6: <laughs> um, I, I thought it was a little odd. It, it felt like, you know, something that Frake said just out of the blue and then they kept it for some reason. But yeah, it, yeah, it, it, it felt, felt a little weird. bit like
7: like an ad lib that that got. Uh,
3: well, Riker was history. full of jokes. I mean, he was jokey joke McJokerson this whole episode. Every <laughs> every everything that he said was a joke, and uh, I mean especially even, in
7: response to Worf.
3: Yeah, yeah. I
7: mean,
5: even
3: <laughs> even when the, the the attack treble came up and hit the window or whatever, and the, Riker said something, and Worf basically said, "You got jokes."
6: it <laughs> as usual, you find comfort in humor, and yeah. humor in other people's discomfort. <laughs> I was like that's a great line. It's
2: mm-hmm. a good line, and he's not wrong. Yeah. Yep.
7: Yeah. Uh, I, I think after after twenty years, I think that uh, Worf is just tired of Riker's bullshit. And since yeah. he since he's uh, no longer his commanding officer, he can tell him so.
5: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
7: Um,
6: so (laughs) Virginia says attack Tribble is going to be her band name.
7: Nice. (laughs) So they, they laid out pretty early during that discussion around the table, that this is going to be a heist episode. Hmm. Uh, and I, I, I kind of like that they, they lay out, okay, this is what the, the main thrust of this episode is going to be. We're going to, we're going to heist some shit. And they lay it out for us right up front. And then they spend the rest of the episode doing that. Along with the, the parallel story of Titan going back to the the fleet museum to talk with Geordi. Um, what did everyone think about about the fact that they worked a, a more or less a heist episode? It, it, it's not like a, a heist. heist. It's, it, it, they didn't like lay out a plan that they take us through before they actually do it. It's not like... Uh, uh, bada bing bada bang from the 13
3: or picard's 11 or whatever (laughs) yeah yeah thank god that was
7: it's not exactly that but they are still gonna sneak in someplace and and steal something what did everyone think of the fact that they were turning a a a fevery mission into this episode uh and where they did it the location which i have decided i'm going to call forevermore Area 31.
3: <laughs> uh, I liked it. I mean, and I liked that uh, uh, as with any heist movie, whatever plane you have is not going to go that way because once they get there they basically have to abandon the away team and leave them there. And then we get uh, lots of nostalgia stuff from two different locations. So we've got the Area 31 and, uh, and, uh, and also the the shipyard that they go to. Um, but yeah, I thought, I thought it was great.
6: I, I tend to, okay. I don't think this was a heist so much as it was just, we have to go in there and get a thing, which they've done a million times.
3: I mean, that's what a heist is.
6: I know, but, it, but when I, when you say <laughs> heist, I think of, you know, like what they did in season one with a plan and, and, elaborate stuff and you do this and you do that and you distract the guards and I'll go get the cash and, and, and yeah, and then it all falls apart but then they pull it out at the end um, I think this was this was more of a MacGuffin, I think a MacGuffin hunt <laughs> than, than a heist and I uh, maybe I'm not making the distinction between the two very clear but like, I didn't think of this as a heist episode until you said it
7: well I I will admit that I am lowering the bar for what qualifies as a heist in order to to fit this into that mold but it it is a a secure facility that they have to they have to sneak their way into using uh uh cunning and guile which we know Worf is good at guile um and they they have to work their way to the uh, the, the the big room where the MacGuffin is, then they got to get the MacGuffin out. So it's I mean, not they exactly were, were Something I
6: I can I I don't disagree that it could be considered one. I just didn't think of it as one until you said it.
4: Yeah, same. To me, the, the heist storyline is going to have a lot more focus on the planning and you know all the different steps. And if any one thing just does happens to go differently, then it all changes and.
7: Then Cisco starts throwing money up in the air to distract everybody.
4: Exactly. You know, yes, that I see as a heist story. This one, you know, not quite. I I suppose you're, uh, you you know, I didn't think of it as a heist, but now that you mention it, you know, I just got to fit this reference in. You son of a bitch, I'm in.
7: (laughs) (laughs) Now, since we are talking about their mission to steal the uh, what they thought was a manifest and they found it was you know uh, uh, a character reprise they're going through daystrom station and we see all these different uh, items and and projects and uh, bits of top secret tech that they have hidden in the background which is like, what half of the fans are going to be talking about all this week is all the cool stuff that was in area 31. So who saw what?
3: In the, in the daystrom station. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. My
6: favorite. And I didn't even realize it until I was explaining it to somebody else. Um, The Genesis torpedo was not just the Genesis torpedo. It said Genesis two. Mm-hmm. Which is not only a reference to Wrath of Khan, it's also a reference to Gene Roddenberry's Project Genesis Two, which is was a TV movie that he it was one of the Dylan Hunt trifecta of really bad series Roddenberry was trying to pitch post Star Trek, um, but it got made into it got released as a, a you know like a, a Sunday afternoon TV movie. Um, it's it had Marriott Hartley who you may remember from all our yesterdays who played Zerabeth who famously the censors she was like a cave woman or she was she had been exiled to the past and she was wearing the classic star trek bunny fur bikini but the the censors were would not let them show her belly button and of course Roddenberry being Roddenberry made a big deal about that and then when she was in Genesis 2 as Roddenberry's clever middle finger to the former censors, her character had two belly buttons.
3: <laughs> yeah, I've heard that before. <laughs> um, I did like that the the Genesis device was there. The very next thing we saw was that James T. Kirk's body is also there. And you know what happens when you mix dead bodies with Genesis devices? <laughs>
5: <laughs>
3: right,
6: there was also so- apparently a cell a self-sealing stem bolt.
4: I missed that
6: one. I missed mm-hmm. it too, but it's, it. I've, there have been lots of, of posts around of, of things that were there. There was a Borg vinculum. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the attack triple, James Kirk's body, which was a setup for them, for Picard being there. I Those spotted, are the only ones I saw.
7: I spotted what I'm pretty sure was uh, Shinzon's Thaleron radiation weapon.
6: Oh really? Mm, from yeah. the
7: scimitar, I think that was one of the first things that you saw in the background was the hmm. that that like spiky opening disc.
3: Yeah, there was a, there was definitely a um, uh, a device there from the from the Riemann, so.
7: mm-hmm. uh And speaking of bodies that were being held uh, on Daystrom Station, an indication that perhaps Jonathan Archer was there.
6: I didn't see that or, or read
7: anything about that. I, it, it was when Moriarty was shooting at the away team. When he first started shooting and they ran away, there was a panel behind the three of them, specifically behind Raffi, because she was the last one to run by it. We didn't really get a clear picture of it. Um, and this, this might have been in the, uh, the Trek culture ups and downs video. Where, where they mentioned it um, but as they're they're running away there's a panel in the background and there is a, a humanoid form on it very much like on on the panel for James Kirk but this uh-huh. is uh, clearly it, it's in a different room because they've they've covered some distance since they found Kirk but there was another body and I tried to freeze frame to take a look at the panel and I couldn't make out the words that were written on it and somewhere in my research, I think someone thought they saw Jonathan Archer's name on that panel.
3: I haven't seen that, but I, I, I wouldn't doubt it. I, I mean, they were they were sticking everything else in there. By but, the way, um,
7: it, 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 apparently they like to collect uh, Enterprise Captain's bodies.
3: Well, I,
5: I think so, that if I, so,
3: the I think that Daystrom Station would want to hold on to the remains of anybody that might their brain might hold secrets because uh they don't want those falling into nefarious hands or whatever um because who knows if it, if somebody gets a hold of kirk's body and they're able to um access his memories or whatever they might they might find some secrets that, that they can use uh picard's body as well but um and i they stole it yeah yeah um I wanna know how much time is supposed to have passed between season two and season three. Because we see this hologram of what what soon, Alton. whatever Alton soon, and it seems like several years have passed since since season one. Like like he's died and he's he well, looks like he was like dying he look... at the time.
6: That that's why he had the golem.
3: He was dying. Well okay. If you or say am so I had season one since Because he didn't seem like he was like ancient. You know what I mean it, it wasn't it wasn't like Noonian soon or anything like that. No. But uh but I didn't know uh how much time it, it it seems like since season two to season three, it seems like it's been several years. But it, it didn't seem like it had been that long to for like a character to have died of old age or whatever since then. But
6: well he might have got sick or who knows. You know, one of the androids just finally got sick of him.
3: <laughs> yeah. <his> neck. <laughs> yeah. But B4's head was, was there, and the last time we saw B4's head, it was on Earth at Daystrom Institute in, in a drawer. In a drawer. Yeah. <laughs> and um, sp-
0: what, speaking, really speaking of that head,
7: one thing I, I did see that I thought was, was clever was the, the head and body for B4, the actual props from Nemesis. They found yep. them and, and brought them back for this episode.
6: Oh, okay. Really quickly, well, before we move on, just... Something I noticed on my second, I did watch this one a second time because it was just amazing. Um, Jim Kirk is alive. At least his body is. Because- Right, because there, there was a heartbeat? Up, there was the I, Yeah, there was the, 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 yes. the bio-bed beep. It was uh, a heartbeat.
3: Well, yeah. Yeah, well, you would think that they would have it in stasis. You would, that they wouldn't want it to just sit there and rot away. But its stasis is
6: different from a lot. <laughs>
3: yeah.
6: And they, you know, and the thing is, putting that sound effect in is not an accident. That's that had to have been put in there on purpose. You know, it wasn't like it was just a little musical trill of, of the original episode, you know, the original yeah. theme or anything. It was a very specific sick bay, bio bed heartbeat.
2: I had the same interpretation. I was like, this is too deliberate like this is more than just an Easter egg. I, I felt like it was leading to something more. Like this is gonna come into play. and then and then when the Picard body is, when that reveal it, comes along, I was like, oh, maybe it was just foreshadowing. But indeed, why make that biobed sound, if not, to foreshadow something even greater that you know that Kirk is gonna come back in some capacity?
3: and we'll I, get the we'll get the return
7: <laughs> the 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 shatner verse novels yeah that he wrote because he didn't He's want his board. character to be done
4: yeah. well there you go that ties into the the news episode we previously recorded and that could be another mini series
7: yeah, this will be one of their spinoff miniseries. Is the William the- Shatner
3: is ninety two? I don't think he's gonna make a
7: series.
2: <laughs> well, William mm-hmm. Shatner will do anything.
7: Are Are they gonna he, give him money? money? Yes, then he'll He is do
2: it. game. He is game for it, and he's still lucid. Yeah,
7: well, well as lucid yeah. as he ever
5: was. Yeah, <laughs> exactly as yeah. lucid as he ever was.
2: Yeah,
7: lucid enough to ramble on for. Goddamn, seventy-five minutes at the Vegas con. Ugh. <laughs> Ugh. And we are joined by John Irons. How are you? Hey. hey. We're in the presence of greatness. Indeed. Um, so we're we're talking about the episode. You're now officially up to speed. Um, <laughs> now, but before we move oh, to the before we move to the Fleet Museum and the stuff that was happening there. Um, we are talking about daystrom station we're talking about the things that we saw in there talk about the fact that we discovered by the end of the episode that the changelings have stolen the biological body of jean-luc picard
3: i'm amazed at how many people online forgot that picard (laughs) died at the end of season one there was i mean all the facebook groups i mean there was at least one person in every one of those groups that say I mean, Picard has, is in his body. Why are they? What does this mean? It's like he died two seasons ago. He's in an android body. I mean, but everybody seems to
7: know season. it, too. Yeah. yeah. We, and <laughs> as, as John just said, they've mentioned it several times this season. Yeah. And yeah. now we know why. They made sure to put in reminders so so we all could know. Oh, that's right. He's in a He's in a fake body. So it wouldn't be so confusing when they stole the body now who has theories as to why the changelings have taken this body sean I you raised your hand first yes
3: um okay so the beginning of the episode and scott i talked to you a little bit about this uh yesterday but at the beginning of the episode they made a big deal about finding out that jack has aromatic syndrome um then he has a conversation with picard where Picard tells him, "I lived with irromatic syndrome for decades, or whatever." Now, when we saw in what we saw in All Good Things is that Picard had a brain or abnormality that Beverly said could turn into irromatic uh, syndrome later, but now they're making a making it canon that he actually had it. I think that there's something about the irromatic syndrome that the changelings can use. I don't know what. I mean, I haven't. I haven't thought it that far i don't know what but i think that's why they were after jack and i think that's why they want picard's body because picard's body has all that in it his his golem body won't have it you know so there you go i think it's got something to do with aromonic syndrome i think that's the whole reason that they that they had that in this episode
7: yeah anybody else anyone have well first does anyone have have thoughts on that theory
1: yeah uh I was just going to say, uh, I think that they are going to do something bad. So I'm going to, I'm going (laughs) to, I'm going to hitchhike on, uh, Sean's idea. I'm going to yes. And, um, I think that's great. That's a valid, it's a good theory. Um, maybe what they're going to do is, um, in some way use that to, um, infect all of Starfleet. Um, because it's was it founder not Founder's Day it's uh Frontier Day Frontier, Frontier Day. Day you know Frontier Day is 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 zero hour um, not sure if I use that phrase correctly but you guys get me um, on Frontier Day they'll somehow use uh, Picard's body to create a virus that is instantly transmissible so that would be poetic justice for what Starfleet did to the changelings. I'm I'm, I'm I'm gonna go with that
3: i also think and i, I this just i just just dawned on me that um they made they dropped that line where they found out that the way that Vatic is able to um track them is because there's something about the new ships in the fleet that once they get close to another ship there's some transponder that alerts all the other ships or whatever yeah. and all, every all, the, ship- all
7: the ships are networked together now
3: yeah. And every ship in the fleet is supposed to be at this event. So I think that dropping that line about the proximity of ships to each other has got something to do with, with, with that. Well,
5: uh,
1: the, they, as we know... They, they also made a, a point to say that for like two major plot points, joydie was like, no, you guys, this is stupid. <laughs> Some villain is going to use this against us. Don't network all the ships together. Uh, don't put tracking on like every ship. a bad idea. Mm -hmm. Don't have everybody gathered in one place. Bad idea. It's like they
6: haven't even watched Prodigy.
7: (laughs) (laughs) Does anyone else have any other theories? Now, I had not considered uh, John's idea of the rogue changelings trying to uh, turn the tables. I hadn't thought of that, and I like that idea. Mm -hmm. It's not what I'm anticipating, but does anyone else have
1: have any theories they want to pitch?
4: I have questions, but no theories.
1: I have comments, but not about this.
4: the The only theory that comes to mind is um, kind of pulling like from a, a reunification, and where they had hologram Spock get up there and make his speech. You know, welcome the the Romulan uh,
5: <laughs>
4: delegation that comes in. Blah blah blah. That they may repeat that, and you know, they wanted to get a you know, somehow either copy him, you know, shapeshift or some, basically use Picard's body um, to have a real looking Picard give his speech and so on. And you know, that's going to bring the downfall to everyone. But they don't need that.
6: that that's, you know, as we saw with with the, the you know, with with Changeling Sydney, that they just need to see somebody. Mm-hmm. unless unless yeah. there's some sort of DNA scan
1: did but, did you guys talk about that at all the the um nth level changelings? uh no
4: not
1: yeah. yet. Th- not th- yet. Th- this week no yeah this week not ever i mean <laughs> i was on the show before i, mean, <laughs> I got here late <laughs> um so.
7: i i think As far as my theory for why they take the body, considering how much they're leaning on the nostalgia this season, and it seems that they're leaning more as the season goes on. I'm not saying that I necessarily think this is what they're going to do, but I'm preparing myself for a reveal somewhere in the coming episodes that the Changelings are working with the Borg, which Shaw has already pointed out, the the real borg not not that not that weird shit from from the stargazer referring to season 2 but the actual <clears throat> borg that they fought they're still out there if they reveal that and apparently China's...
3: apparently Gerard I'm sorry well I mean I was just going to say apparently Gerardy they dropped the whole thing of of the Gerardy's guarding that that portal that something something worse is coming through and like and then we haven't heard anything else about that. So <laughs>
7: well, I, I think they're just leaving that well, as oh, so that's 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 where gerardi and her Borg are, and they're just going to watch that door. Yeah. While nothing happens, they're just going to watch it.
6: Well, you know, with yeah. like Y two K, nothing happened because people were stopping <laughs> it from happening. Yeah,
4: or there are still four episodes left.
7: It if they reveal that Borg are involved in this uh, changeling plot somehow. Then stealing Picard's original body, giving it to the Borg, and remaking Locutus would not shock me.
2: It would oh, annoy I me.
1: I agree. It would I would yes, annoy. I agree with Nick. I yeah, agree I, with Nick on annoyed. And...
7: I, I'm I'm not saying that I like the idea, because it's it it, it feels very much like a rerun.
4: It but sounds like the plot could go the, that way to Star Trek Armada the <laughs> video game where they had to recreate Locutus.
7: And, okay. and which they've also done in, 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 novels as well. It was in, um, resistance. I have a question because maybe y'all know, because I
6: don't know why it didn't occur to me until I was watching the second, second time through, um, I, I know from a practical standpoint why it can't be. But why do the changelings have such a beef with Picard? They should be pissed at Cisco.
5: Cisco's I dead.
6: I know that and and that's that you know but Picard wasn't not involved in the, in the Dominion War <laughs> at all. So what not is That is another plane
1: of existence. He's on a different plane of existence. I don't yeah. I don't think that they particularly have a beef with Picard. I think Picard That it does. Is, I think Picard is a necessary tool.
2: He's a means to an end.
1: Yeah, right. they, need, okay. they need Picard's body. They need Picard Jr. for something. They have
3: a beef with Picard because he's the protagonist.
6: Uh, I, I, again, I understand that. I'm <laughs> talking in-universe, well. in <laughs> Vatic seems to be... I mean, because she's killing changelings left and right, unless all of her, yeah. her, her minions aren't really changelings, which is possible.
3: I um, think the changelings I, are in the the minions because uh, Riker even said how much of that goo do they put in you. You know, yeah. I don't think they are changelings, but I think the changelings are there. And but she and definitely early... has a
6: problem with Picard specifically.
3: Yeah.
4: Well, it, no. Does she have a problem with Picard, or is is it as part of her problem with Jack?
2: Yeah. I think she
3: just has a problem with Starfleet. Yeah,
2: I, I didn't. I don't see anything that she said that was targeting Picard. I mean, she kept saying his name, but more just like, "Oh, he's the guy who's currently blocking me from getting to Jack or blocking me from my mission." I don't Absolutely. feel like she went in there to get Picard. Like he, yeah. he, he was just there. I, he just turned up.
6: And and that's why I'm asking if you know if y'all are are interpreting this differently than I am.
3: No, I just think, that, I think she just, uh, she has a problem with Starfleet because she was very, uh, the things that she said to Shaw about his um, mental uh, mat- background and stuff like that. And then she said to Picard, you know, in the synthetic flesh and all that kind of stuff. I think she, I think she just doesn't like anybody that's Starfleet.
5: Okay,
6: and, and I loved, I loved her opening villain monologue in this episode. It was so <laughs> James Bond, bad guy. I, it just
7: was wonderful hmm it, it it was very well done where she's she's talking up uh her fellow changelings uh, and how they're they're gonna have their day and they'll be able to shed those uh tiresome federation faces and they can live in the sun unless yeah. i sh- unless i shoot you yeah <laughs> but something that she said during that that scene since we're talking about her you know her henchmen are they or are they not changelings because they got weird like you know bird face masks uh she referred to them as i think ill-formed misshapen whatever it makes me wonder if they are changelings that do not have the ability to perfectly mimic humans the way that some others that we've seen have if they are changelings that don't have that much control or aren't that good at at changing shape maybe they're just, you know, vaguely humanoid amorphous goo that have to wear those outfits and those masks to cover up their gooiness. I'm they, wondering
3: they if they that they need a be vessel? Yeah, you know, they need some kind of a vessel.
1: My my theory is similar to yours. Um and it ties in with uh why they can replicate uh, organs and you know, they 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 seem more humanoid now. Um I again, I don't know if this was I'm, I'm inclined to think that it was on purpose that they did this they made a choice to undergo whatever process um so they are effectively stuck in a humanoid form they can change how they look they can change what kind of humanoid they look like but they can't fully shapeshift the way that odo could and again why they're meteor, why they have insides um but they did this some to themselves because they're radicals they're zealots in order to affect this great plan and the ones on vatic's ship are the failed exper- versions of this experiment that so they're they're completely covered they couldn't they can't pull off anything like their their faces are just warped in goo and raw. liquid bacon liquid bacon i i um, like that but, that but not a- but not so liquid that they're goo it's not like they're in a containment suit it's just they can't pass off, they can't pull off looking like someone else. Mm-hmm. So they are cu- they just stay covered. Okay. That, and, I, I and I like that theory, because their mouths John. don't work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
4: <laughs> now, what if it's, instead of that, I mean, I, I love the theory, John, but what if it's, if the once-on-badic ship are part of the hundred, the, the pr- protoform form changelings like Odo and then the one played by um, J.G. Herzler. Laws. Um, Yes, that were sent out. I thought
2: about that too.
4: So at one point I wondered if Vatik and her crew were if we were dealing with two different factions of change um, but then I like misremembered uh, part of her monologue when I went back on a second viewing. So that one didn't didn't line up too often.
7: I, I like that idea. Because I always felt that the concept of, of The Hundred uh, could have been explored a little bit more than just finding one other on, on DS9. Um, I, I, I like the concept of The Hundred so much that I put it into a short story that I wrote, which is, I, I'm, I'm plugging a little bit early. A short story which is going to be published in the upcoming issue of Star Trek Quarterly, the online fanzine. Watch for it coming soon. Okay. Um, that, th- thank you, Rick, for the little golf clap. I, I appreciate That's, it. I'm, I'm, I'm
1: inserting applause here. You don't want. I, don't want
7: <laughs> I can. I can now add published author to my resume. <laughs> um, so, before we, uh, once again, before we go to the Fleet Museum, we were talking about Vadic and how she's shooting other changelings. Um, this is the one last question about that that I'm going to throw out there. Near the end of the episode, when Riker has been captured. Um, he's getting he's getting hit by the the alien Starfleet security officer with two other security officers flanking them. Mm-hmm. That officer turns around, shoots the other two, and then shifts into Vanek and says hello. Was she shooting two changelings just yes. to have them not in the room or were they actually Starfleet officers because they are, they are being chased by, Yes, the changelings, but all of Starfleet thinks they are fugitives. So Starfleet crews are going after them, whether they are changeling or not.
6: Starfleet crews aren't going to beat the f- out of my guy.
7: my yes.
2: That uh, was my take on, on it as well. That, like, it doesn't make sense that Starfleet officers are witnessing someone, a, a, a captain, being tortured and just being cool with it. So, I was confused by that, but I also don't understand why Vatic would then shoot two changelings, even though she's shown that she's willing to kill them. I mean, it's, it's just like there was no reason to kill them in that moment. So, okay, either but- way, it makes no sense. Go ahead, John.
1: I'm speaking in the blanket here, guys. I'm speaking in the macro. I love you all. Conveying <laughs> degrees. Rick, come on. <laughs> I feel I suspect I feel uh, your relationship with Star Trek with uh, Star Trek is like an abusive relationship <laughs> it's like a little bit of an abusive relationship like uh, you know Star, Star Trek Star Trek started off like awesome and like you know you guys let on all great and like but it's just broken your heart so many times that you just expect disappointment and poor decisions <laughs> and failure, especially when things seem like they're going great. Whereas I, uh, you know, I never got as involved. <laughs> so, so like, uh, I'm like, yeah, this is great. And you guys are like warning me, like, look, John, I know it seems great. Yes, <laughs> he does seem great and he can be great, but he's gonna break your heart. He always does. I'm like okay, well maybe maybe this time, and you're like no, like so you're like I like the wise and veterans, and I'm like like you know the college kids, <laughs> the college kid with daddy issues. No, he's fine. He's gonna say it's not me, it's you. it's not you, it's me. Yeah, but it's but, you. Like, but maybe this time he's different. I know he no. looks different, but uh, it's 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 not different. They're all I the swear, same.
7: I I can change him. I know I can.
1: Yeah, and. So we're, so this we're, is your say. way
2: of saying that lighten up, it doesn't mean anything, that she killed two people?
1: No, this is my way of saying season three of Picard has proven that if they do something that seems really dumb and out of character and doesn't make any sense, give it a minute, give it an episode or two, they'll explain it.
6: Well, and, and that's what I was trying to say earlier is when she shot the two security officers they burned up like every other changeling
1: did i honestly i figured that they were actual starfleet officers and she killed them because she wanted to just kidnap him but you make an excellent point that they wouldn't just stand there while it happened mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, but it's it is unlikely unless they're like 30 unless they're maybe. under some kind of mind control you know they may be under some
3: kind of mind control
1: if, if it had been the first but if they punch, were under, if they were if they were under my control she wouldn't need to shoot them to take them away
6: if, if it had been the first punch I would agree with you that they could have been actual Starfleet but it was they made it pretty clear that she he multi-eyed whatever she was masquerading as had been beating the crap out of him for a little
1: while yeah. at that point mm-hmm I, 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 again, I I don't just, I just didn't think about it, but you're, you're absolutely right. So the idea that they were other changelings, you know, adds another layer of complexity. Okay. Is she trying, is she doing something, you know, is she rebelling against the big boss somehow? And this is like, she's got it. She's going to double cross him and this is how.
7: That's something I wondered as well. By taking taking out the two changelings slash officers behind her, gives her a moment alone with Riker to <clears throat> excuse me to um, conspire with him before other changelings get into the room, uh, which leads into the next question, because the next thing we see is Riker being marched into a different room, Vadic, uh, you know. Pushes a button or something, and the wall changes, and there in a cell is Deanna. Or is it? Or is it?
2: But it doesn't matter if it is or isn't. Either way, it's just, it's just a reminder to Riker. You know whether or not we've got Deanna right now in front of you. We know where she is. We know mm-hmm. where, your, where your family is. We will kill them if you don't cooperate. Hell, we'll kill them either way.
5: Yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs>
2: because you can be pretty sure they're going to kill his family no matter what he does, he might as well just not cooperate because... Yeah,
3: I, I mean, I, I'm i assuming that it's not really her because I think if it w- was her, then Kestra would be there too. Um, but with it just being her, I think it's probably a changeling and it's uh, it's a trick.
6: Something occurred to me tonight after my second viewing and not even when I was watching the show... Um, as paranoid as Riker has been proven to be, you know, he has shields around his house, for God's sake. Um, I am sure, not whether the writers think of this or not, I, I don't know, but I am sure that Will Indiana will have a password that if she doesn't know it, <laughs> she's a changeling. Will Since Indiana
1: I, definitely have a safe word. <laughs> well, I wasn't <laughs> going to go there, but yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying. But all right, so so this, is, this is why. Uh, now, that's a book title. Everyone will know that. This this is why <laughs> this uh, this season is kind of brilliant. So here's here's what they've done. Here's what they've effectively done by creating the changeling threat. And you can't just scan them and see if they're changelings. They have to actually have to actually prove that they're not changelings, because of prior information. They have brilliantly weaponized nostalgia so (laughs) yeah we could just we can show you some stuff around the room and hey you remember this from this episode but these characters have to have conversations about shared experiences aka episodes or movies that YouTube viewer might have seen in order to prove that they are who they say they are because I guarantee like the start of the next episode Will's not gonna be like oh I'm sure you're not angeling Deanna and they're going to have a conversation to prove that they are who they are. And it'll be some note, it'll be some tidbit. Um, it's, genius. it's genius. And we're going to find out that it's been
3: <laughs> Thomas Riker this whole time, it hasn't even been Will.
5: <laughs>
1: <laughs> that would be a twist. Um, but, but again, the idea that maybe Vatic shot two of her own in order to have a private conversation. To, to, to answer your question i think i think Nick was the one who asked is it did he really go to get her and actually no rick asked and nick like it doesn't matter um i think he did because they start the episode she's like track down every known associate mm-hmm. you
5: know
1: you got to get the band back together track down every known associate of Picard um and i think they put that all in there so that we the audience at least would think that it is actually her um yeah and we know that she's going to be back at some point so i i I'm inclined to think that it's her, and I'm inclined to think that Will is going to uh, prove that it's her. Mm -hmm. And conversely, that she'll prove that it's him. Because it could easily shapeshift into a beaten up Will Riker. And, you know, play on Deanna's feelings. Yeah.
6: Mm -hmm. I have another question. I'm starting to think that Julian Bashir was the only person who didn't know about Section 31.
3: (laughs) Well... (laughs) Well, maybe he just couldn't keep his mouth shut. Maybe he put, <laughs> in his, he put it in his log, and now everybody knows about it.
2: No, but that, you're exactly right, Sean. I, I think it was pretty well established in DS9 that it, at that point it was secret. Mm-hmm. But Bashir has since told freaking everyone. Yeah. Like Bashir yeah, and Cisco true. were not cool with this being a secret, and so now it's known by everyone.
3: But we know from discovery that it didn't used to really be that that big of a secret. Everybody knew that there was a Section Thirty-One, even if they didn't really know what they did. They knew that they existed because Ash Tyler so was flashing CIA. his badge around. Everybody, <laughs> this gives yeah. me authority.
1: You know, I always, I always thought of Sixty-One as, as Starfleet CIA. So yes, you know they exist and ostensibly. You know what they do, but they do way worse stuff than you think they do.
3: Are you guys yeah. getting a little bit of a speaking of Ash Tyler? Are you getting a little bit of the Ash Tyler storyline whenever we're de- we're dealing with Jack? That that no. kind of the kind of the same thing that he was that he went through in season one of Discovery is kind of what's going on with Jack.
2: Yeah, the sleeper agent thing. I see what yeah. you're saying.
1: I think maybe like I I think there might be um, shades of it, but I don't think I don't think it's this you know copy paste against instead of it being
3: a instead of it being a a klingon that's had his memory wiped now it's going to be a changeling that's had his memory wiped or something like that i
1: don't no i don't i don't think it's just copy paste uh changeling for klingon i think he is he does seem to be some sort of you know deep deep undercover operative um manchurian candidate kind of stuff yeah or, yeah. or, or
3: born like jason Bourne kind of stuff yeah the,
7: there is some kind of connection there and i they it's it felt like they were trying to throw us off of that particular notion at the beginning of the episode when beverly gave the uh diagnosis of uh Aromotic syndrome or at least the the abnormalities in in the brain that would lead mm-hmm. to it um and you know she cited that he's it's affecting uh you know uh uh, cognition and and imagination whatever areas of the brain it's affecting and saying that he's experiencing um you know hallucinations and uh bouts of aggression but iremonic syndrome doesn't really explain the uh you know visions of a red door and 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 all the the tendrils yeah yeah all, all that stuff that that's that's appearing it doesn't really explain that so it makes me wonder if did he actually inherit aromonic syndrome from picard or is whatever connection he has with the changelings whether he's carrying one within him or etc is that having an effect on him that is either similar to or causes aromatic syndrome and it's not just an inheritance. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm just throwing out a word salad here, but I don't think it's just as simple as, Oh, he has Aramonic syndrome, which is how he can sniff out changelings and assassinate them.
1: I, okay. So I also don't think he can necessarily sniff out changelings. I don't, I don't think he was, I don't think he was activated because he was surrounded by four changeling and he's a, I robot changeling killing machine. Uh, Watch, Out Robot is good. I think uh, I don't think he was triggered by the proximity of changelings. I think he was triggered by Starfleet uniforms. Um, he, and he could resist. He resisted it the first time because he, he during the the bridge assassination and the and the transport assassination, he just was able to hold it back, and and he just he just couldn't anymore. It just so happened, fortunately, that they happened to be four changelings, <laughs> but he really just, but he didn't know that at the time.
5: Mm-hmm. He,
1: he just, he, he attacked and he murdered because he didn't, he killed them like four people. He didn't do anything, you know, he held them by the neck. You know, he, it wasn't a, he didn't do any non-changeling moves. Yeah. He did non humanoid or- <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> he did non non-person living moves.
7: He acted the way you would act if you were trying to kill four
1: humans. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. I I think he killed four people. I, I think at the time he had done it, he one hundred percent believed he had just murdered four people. It's a big
6: mystery. Can I um, can I just be a hardware wonk for a moment and just say how much I love the whole uh, uh, fleet museum?
7: <laughs> yep, exactly where I was going next. It's it's time to go to the fleet museum. How beautiful was that
1: shot?
6: My only problem with it is one of
1: scale. Because, uh, hang on, Be- before you get started, Rick, I'm going to give you guys 20 minutes. 20 minutes to discuss the, <laughs> the beauty of the ships. So this, is, this is not 20 minutes plot free. <laughs> I, I won't again. need that much. Um, uh, I mean, I could go on way longer. Anyway, there's 20 minutes each.
6: Got
3: it. 20 minutes each. Okay. 20 minutes each for each <laughs> ship. Sure. Yeah. 20 <Damn>, minutes. <laughs>
6: just i mean even the biggest bird of prey is nowhere near as big as a d7 and they looked about the same size in that tracking shot and and but it was it was still just freaking gorgeous um although there, there were i think there were two birds of prey because the the hms bounty which was a plot point which I thought was brilliant because I I thought they were going to go back on. I thought they were just going to steal that ship. The fact that they stole the the, the cloaking device, I thought was brilliant
3: and Um, installed it. And it only took them about five minutes. It would have taken Scotty all day to install it. Have
6: you seen the enterprise incident? It takes like (laughs) 10 minutes with a wrench.
7: (laughs) They've done it. Also the the episode, the the episode Pegasus, it did not take them very long to install that uh, prototype.
1: And, Um, And it's, it's, it's young Geordie, you
7: know, Jordy Junior.
1: So <laughs> she's she not an it. engineer. She's not an engineer. The
4: other one was. Yeah, and she wasn't there.
7: She
3: yeah. wasn't involved.
7: I well, she. She, set she, out was, she, of not, room. she was down uh, for the idea of stealing it, but Alon Alondra was not in the room when they were installing it, and that right, made no sense right. to me.
1: She t- she told them what they were doing. She had to provide cover. Yeah, but yeah, but, but they, they 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 did it, but they did it badly which I thought was... I, 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 I really enjoyed that.
6: But the the, the Bounty's wings were vertical, were were flat. And then the other bird of prey they showed had its wings down. Um, and then we also saw there, there was the two Constitution classes. There was the the New Jersey, which was NCC 1975. I don't know if that's a reference to something. Yeah, it's it, it because is. Uh,
3: Terry, Terry metallis is from New Jersey, and he was born in 1975.
6: Okay, okay. Yeah thank you um <laughs> the stargazer was there of course the voyager was there and yes i i both times i watched the episode i teared up during sevens sp- and i'm choking up right now thinking about it. Um, and they played the music uh the defiant no, the defiant was there um there was a a romulan bird of prey the klingon mm-hmm. d7 there were some ships i didn't recognize but i didn't like do a, yeah, a, I a, didn't see the star. Sprint. I didn't
3: see the stargazer, but
6: it it was like if if the if the starbase was a clock, the stargazer was at about two o'clock. It was like up here. Yeah, it was okay. like
7: like one or two o'clock, so. upper upper right of the screen. And the fact um, that
6: that was Starbase One, that that was space dock from Tmp and and uh, and Wrath of Khan and Star mm-hmm. Trek Three. Uh, and star the and, Trek
4: Three. Not. It wasn't in the the first two. They had a different facility. In motion picture, You're, right, you're the, right. the office
6: complex that they flipped up. They flipped over regular. for regular one. You're right.
4: Mm,
7: um, yep.
6: Um, actually.
3: <laughs> well, it's, and it's, this is supposed to be a, um, it's a fleet museum, but is the fleet museum like closed for COVID or something? Why? There, <laughs> there's nobody there looking at the ships.
6: <laughs> well, Jordy says thousands of people come through here every day. So y'all
7: just,
3: just got to get just the not up. today.
7: <laughs> yeah. They, 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 caught it on the weekend. Yeah. There's Cl- a closely. school. There's
3: a there's a school bus from uh, from Starfleet <laughs> showing up in an hour. So,
7: <laughs> so I, as far as the um, the other ships that were there, I think there was I think there was an Akira class. Um, I, I I remember someone giving a rundown on the, on the various classes that were seen um, of ships Never- that we we don't see often, but I can't remember what all of them were. Memory yeah, the yeah There was there
6: was
4: a
7: there
6: was a Nebula class.
7: Hmm. Um so there was
6: probably a miranda class somewhere but i didn't
3: did they show the the enterprise like the like archer's enterprise i thought i saw it but yes
7: yes they did and there's something special about it because it is not the nx01 as we saw it in seasons one through four of enterprise it is the nx01 refit that doug drexler had in mind we would have seen
6: in the start in a season five
7: yes it is in in the first four seasons or in the four seasons of enterprise the nxl1 was essentially a saucer section with um the the warp engine and two nacelles coming out the back of it and that's it but it was designed in just such a way that as it evolved they would add a star drive section that would sit below the saucer And the nacelles would be in the exact same position, but they would be attached to that new star drive section. So that would be, it was designed to have a bridge, not like the bridge on the ship, but a connecting bridge from the design we saw in Enterprise and the constitution class that the Enterprise would eventually become. By adding that star drive section, it would have been a hybrid between those two versions of the ship, we never saw it on television, but that's what Drexler had in mind. That's what he designed it for, and that's what they had at the museum.
6: I've seen the the the, uh, the CGI drawings or whatever of it, and the, it, the yeah, I would have really liked that that ship.
7: Yeah. Oh, it, it looks so good. I, I was a fan of the of the design for the NXO one in the first place. I I really liked the look of it, and if they had uh, evolved it to to have that star drive section. It, it looks so nice,
6: and then the last call out I want to do about ships is just one of the ships that was uh, sharking around Daystrom station was the Sternbach, which is a, a you know a Richard Sternbach who has is probably second only to uh, to um, uh, Matt Jeffries as far as starship designs in Star Trek. It's like Jeffries, Sternbach, and Drexler designed almost everything.
5: Mm.
6: Yeah.
7: Um,
3: yeah, and at least in this, the, this um, <laughs> I'm going to throw shade, uh, in this one, they uh, they got the Enterprise right. They showed the Enterprise A when they should have, and not in, like they did yeah. in that, that animated show where, where we saw the Enterprise A exploding <laughs> over <Yeah>. Vulcan. <laughs> uh, <laughs>
7: Um, the, what gave me a chuckle during the the museum scene while
1: Jack is sitting in Shaw's chair, talking with Seven Hold on, I'm sorry is this, is this still uh, <laughs> ship wonk related or is this, are we back to the plot? You've got like another seven minutes <laughs> I I think we can call I'm this one, going back to the plot <laughs> um, um, because, Walk away think, what guys
7: Jack General sits down,
1: ship.
7: and <laughs> and on the screen is the Defiant. And Jack yeah. says, ah, that's the Defiant. And then Seven hits the button, and a different ship comes up, and he's like, oh, so Jack is identifying all these ships that come up on screen. And I had to laugh because every ship has a goddamn name tag on it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Why is it impressive that you know the names of all these ships? It's literally written on their face.
5: Uh, well it would have been it would have been more impressive that. if
3: he had known something about the ship like if he said oh yeah uh, uh wharf used to command that ship or whatever
1: I, I can tell you they showed at least i don't know if the view that we saw was the view that jack had but they showed the top of the ship They sh- and obviously you could see the shape of the ship and the color and all that stuff and you could see the the uh the number but, but you didn't necessarily see the name I don't know the name, the name
7: is always right below the number. <laughs> well remember,
4: right. they they saw Voyager from
7: underneath. So Yeah. And that's yeah. the one he didn't know.
2: <laughs> okay.
7: Yeah. Oh yeah, she, she knew them. Was... I I I you
1: think... said he was faking it, really. Yeah,
2: I he was I, just I, trying to impress Seven.
3: Yeah, <laughs> I did want to say I, I wanted to address because I saw some people on the uh, on a couple Such of the, a dude,
1: I know about cars totally
5: <laughs> <laughs> a couple of
3: the groups. that I mean, there was a there was some people that were asking, why are they retiring ships that are not that old, you know, that kind of stuff. And if you think about it, technology is so uh, advanced so quickly that, you know, the Excelsior, yeah, it can stay it can stay out for a 100 years. But once you get to a certain point with technology, it comes up a lot faster. So a ship could be outdated a lot quicker in Picard's time area than, than time period than it was in like Kirk's time period or whatever. So it's feasible that yeah, you, you could take a ship and you could retrofit it with new tech so many times, but you got a ship like the Voyager that at this point is probably 20 years old. It could be time to retire it, whereas something like the Excelsior might have lasted for a hundred years because the tech hadn't hadn't caught up at the time. You know, they were able to retrofit it enough to where they could keep using it.
6: Well but, also, in the in an age of, of you know, ship size replicators, there's no need to keep a hundred year old space frame running. Put that thing well, in the museum should. and build a new ship.
1: Yeah, the ship's <laughs> been beat to hell too. Like Yeah. <laughs> right. Like yeah you know, we want to keep patching this one up? but we don't, oh, you know, what, why don't we just retire this one?
4: <laughs> um, with the Fleet Museum, before we get too much back into plot, I, there was another article which um, was kind of blasting this whole episode, not the series, but they had an interesting point about the scene where they're naming all these uh, hero ships. And they're not just, like, almost all the ships they showed there were, Copies of copies. And I wonder if it's fitting into a, another part of the theme of the of this, you know, like the a copy of of the copy there. But with the, the ships, you know, it's Kirk's second Enterprise. You know, it, you look at some of the beta cannon material, that's was a different ship that was renamed Enterprise. It was the
6: Yorktown. That that that's actually Alpha Canon. Oh it was
4: is it Alpha? Town. Yeah. Okay. Um the defiant that was the second defiant it was the uh, Sao, Paulo. Sao Paulo
6: yeah um yeah cuz the first one was blown up <laughs> yeah
4: blown up sir uh, <laughs> it, it I do wonder if it's you know parallel to the rest of the story that you know you've got all these copies of things and then you could also in this article kind of extends it to the younger generation versus the the original or the you know the, the older folks there
6: i think that's um, really reaching uh, you I, know, yeah, so. i'm definitely reaching <laughs> on
4: my, on my part. um <laughs> you know think about uh, it this way
6: the 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 actual uss enterprise aircraft carrier was it either was decommissioned last year or it's scheduled to be decommissioned soon um it was not the first ship named enterprise and if they put it in a museum, are you going to say, "Well, that's just, you know, where where's the the schooner?"
3: <laughs> well, the first ship named Enterprise, I think, was a like a big wooden ship with Yeah, sails. that's what I'm talking mm-hmm. about. Where, yeah. you know, yep.
6: this thing doesn't have masts; it's not the real thing. Yeah.
3: Um. Yeah. I have three things that I want to say. First of all, they used a lot of TOS sound effects in this episode, and I'm here for it.
6: They've been doing it the whole season.
3: Yeah, but it was it was very like like when uh, the transporters and everything it was all I mean there was a lot of TOS sound mm-hmm. effects in this in this episode. Um, right. I think that Lavar Burton gave the best acting performance of his career in this episode.
6: Mm, and you uh, let's in say tra- in his in Star Trek, Trek career. In track. Yeah. yeah. You haven't seen Roots, have you?
3: Uh, yeah, I mean when I was in high school. Yeah, that
6: that was. I mean, granted, you know, but that movie is like 12 hours long.
3: But... So I'm more, lar- <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, the uh, <laughs> and, and then, um, uh, and then, um, I want to know what's going on between seven and Raffi.
0: They broke because,
3: up. Well, and there's more to it than that. Though, Cause obviously there's, there's some, there's something going on there when they uh, when she beamed in she was like hey how are you i'm fine how are you you know have, uh,
6: um, have you never encountered an ex in an is every every, work <laughs>
3: every <laughs> is every time that i say something from the episode you're gonna ask me a question well, I'm, <laughs> about I'm just... my experience <laughs> Have you ever have you ever seen that have you ever? Okay I all right I apologize I, I'm not trying to
6: minimize your your arguments I'm just saying that those those scenes to me made perfect sense you know especially because they were kind of drawing out the have they or haven't they broken up and then Warf is like you know Warf is just like enough of this Yeah <laughs>
7: Um, it, it's obvious you two are broken up if we're going to be on a mission together here's what I suggest let us say no I'm not going that is a relief I was practicing deceit that yeah. was a great line
3: good also what is in hangar Bay 12 yes because I see a lot of uh, a lot of people Have you never been to a
5: hangar these. Bay I've
3: seen a lot of people in, in groups and stuff saying that it's not, obviously it's going to be the saucer section of the Enterprise. It's like, well, they but they said that there's something that can help them get away from Vatican. It's like the, a saucer section of a old ship isn't going to do that. Now, maybe if Geordi's people have taken that saucer section and put it onto another ship, and recreate, like you know, recreated the Enterprise. Yeah, maybe they could use the inter, basically the Enterprise. But I don't know. But I think the saucer section probably has something to do with. I mean, I think that's part of it.
6: My my thought when when they said it, and I didn't think about that this until I saw somebody online said maybe it's this, you know, I just thought she was like let's hide in there. Maybe there's something about Hangar Bay Twelve that's shielded from the outside or something like
7: that. Mm-hmm it It would allow them to hide, but it would not be of any help for uh retrieving the away team from area thirty one so yeah i the the theory I came up with it it sounded fun in my head when I came up with it, and I was telling Sean about it yesterday, but with all these references we've been getting to t n g in all good things when Picard was in his future time frame, they uh specified that as twenty five years after the last time the TNG crew was together on the Enterprise, Mm -hmm. which would have been Nemesis. This season is being placed 20 years after Nemesis. So it's in that same general uh, uh, time period. In All Good Things, in the future, Riker was an admiral. So not everything is the same. But if Hangar Bay 12 is hiding the three nacelled refit of the enterprise d with a cloaking device as it had in all good things that could have helped them because it would have been an unnetworked ship with a cloaking device that could have gotten them to the station and and gotten the team out
1: looking back on that idea i think it's going to be a little bit too nostalgic what? Yeah, I was gonna say they they would have to really explain that for the new for the people who didn't know mm-hmm. everything they've done so far. If you know, great. But if you don't know, you can still like a quick explanation is all that's needed. They would have to do a lot of explaining on that, I think. Yeah. But you know
4: that idea.
1: And that- also, didn't that didn't all the alternate future stuff you kind know, of vanish because there was a different timeline now?
6: Well, it wasn't real. It was it was Q messing with Picard, so none of it
7: was necessarily real.
1: Yes, yeah, some yeah, I mean, some, they don't, some
7: things have still come to pass because like, in, is that
1: is that canon? It, yeah. Is that do is that your theory? It,
7: well, it, no, that's, was that's a, the
6: way the episode was cuz I don't he, believe it.
2: No, it was a different timeline. It's a timeline that never came no to be, but it wasn't that, unreal. It was, a, was
7: my, it was a potential future. And some yeah. things have come to be, like for example, in the future when uh Geordi visits Picard at the vineyard he mentions his kids and he names three kids but two of the names that he gives are his daughters which
3: yeah that, that andy up, wasn't wearing a visor you know yeah but even that, at the, at at the end
6: of all good things they were like we've already changed
7: stuff right which yeah. doesn't necessarily mean that nothing that we saw No, I'm, can and, and, I, and
6: I, I apologize I didn't mean to say that nothing of it ha- was real and, but yeah, certainly,
7: that the, that the events it was a, of
6: all good things were Q messing with Picard. So it was
3: a possible timeline that yeah, that, that not it yeah, yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't yeah, yeah, yeah,
7: yeah. yeah. Right. All right. So okay. it that that is not a future that is locked in, but we've already seen some aspects can can still be.
6: But even aspects of the past that Q created were different from. How they really happened
5: mm.
1: well, okay. So, okay, but in this in the future where they had the cloaking three nacelled ship, that was Riker's ship, right?
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, yeah, he was the captain of so, the yeah. So, if Riker had a ship that could cloak, he probably would have just like, Hey, I've got this ship over here. I think that was not, I think that was a different Riker,
7: but in, in all good things, it so happened that he you know became admiral and he decided that's going to be my ship maybe they made the ship but it's not rikers because that's one of the differences in this timeline i don't know if they actually made this (laughs) ship or not but
3: because the last time last time you were in command of this ship you crashed it
6: (laughs) can i just one one thing I, i just want to say about hangar 12 really quickly is that alondra mentioned it and then nobody paid attention and she didn't bring it up again i think if it was something that would have really made a difference she might have pushed a little harder
3: I don't I think honestly, I don't think they would have brought I don't think they would have even said it if it wasn't if it wasn't something that was going to come up later I think it was foreshadowing because I don't think that nobody listened I think that she mentioned it and Jordy told her to shut up
7: yeah he, <laughs> he, he shut her down very quickly
3: yeah
6: <laughs> Chekhov's hangar <laughs>
7: <Yeah. laughs> nice I'm I'm interested to see what's what what's hiding in there
4: <laughs> All right, Scott brought up the point about um, the ship not being networked and have that problem. I, I that would have been a really good point to then steal the whole bounty rather than just the cloaking device from it. And imagine that crew in the in that ship, or just taking any of those other ships.
5: You think my,
1: that? Oh, go ahead, John. My presumption is that the cloak when the ship is cloaked, it also cuts the signal that is whatever the, the digital, you know, oh, the, the <laughs> network, the find my, the find my own network connection.
3: <laughs> I also <laughs> want to point out that the, 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 the bounty is not the only ship in that museum that has a cloaking device The defiant had one too.
7: Exactly. Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, if, if we're gonna, here's the head cannon section, um, I would, I would find it. Uh, very easy to believe that, that the Romulans uh, reclaimed the cloaking device after the Defiant left service.
6: There's also a Romulan bird of prey down there, and that had a cloaking device, although it's a you know 200-year-old cloaking device at that my, point. <laughs>
1: my, my, my thinking was that they just needed a, ship of, a cloaking device that would cover a ship of equal size as opposed to a smaller Defiant.
3: I think they just huh. wanted to call the episode The Bounty. <laughs> 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 so they put the bounty in
1: there. Yeah. It, it and uh, 20 minutes is up. <laughs> <laughs> so back on the ship. Can we mm-hmm. talk God. about
6: we, we we touched on it a little bit, but I, I really love okay, first of all, I generally don't do this, especially because certain members of our group and I don't disagree have have ex, uh, expressed a lack of patience with Mr. Wheaton's hosting of The Ready Room. And I, I kind of, I can understand that. Sometimes it's like, Will, can you ratchet it back just a little bit? This week's Ready Room, with LeVar Burton and his daughter and uh, the actor who plays Sydney, and I can't remember their names, was wonderful. I, a, a lot of times when they have actors on, I'll watch it and I'll get about 10 minutes into can you talk about your process? And then I get bored and I fast forward to the next know behind the scenes clip this was wonderful because uh lavar's actual daughter and the actor that plays sydney have bonded so much. they had her over for thanksgiving dinner when they were shooting um and they have they have really become really good friends and you know usually when when will has a member of the tng crew on He's just full on Gush, like like Chris likes to put it. He's you know in one setting and that's gush. Um, I don't know if his relationship with Lavar is maybe a little more low-key than some of the others, but you know, it was very clearly, you know, these two people love each other very much, but it was much more he was Will was much more letting them talk more than he was for a change. And I really enjoyed this this episode of the Ready Room and I highly recommend watching it. And the the feeling of the three of them, you know, it is you know, we were talking about that there there are hints and vague rumblings about wanting to do a spin off series of the of the, the LaForge family. I think that would be great because those three actors have such a wonderful chemistry between the three of them. It's it I it's just it was wonderful to watch.
7: One one of my favorite ready rooms. <clears throat> that that i've seen so far it was a really great conversation
3: did they did they, they didn't say in this episode who their mother was right was it no they, they said
6: call mom tell her we won't be home for dinner
3: yeah because i know in the in all good things it was leah uh oh, name, leah, leah brahms is their name leah brahms, leah brahms mm-hmm. yeah yeah so uh, which was
6: know. an which i just took as another thing of
7: hugh taking the piss <laughs> <laughs> um yeah I I don't see that happening I think I've had uh this conversation on on the show before where in the books um I don't know if they ended up together but Leah Brahm's husband was killed uh in a. it was about this yeah yeah mini series of books the Genesis wave where he got killed and within the same book Jordy's like hey this might be my shot
3: yeah yeah, let's not pretend like Jordy's yeah. relationship with Librams was not creepy as hell.
1: Yeah, do <laughs> not do that. I think that's part um, of why they probably didn't name who it was, just so they wouldn't have to deal with that.
6: <laughs> I another point where I cr- where I teared up, was when uh, Crusher and and Jordy hugged. That was just that was such a sweet moment because Jordy was like y'all suck but come here
3: <laughs> well i w- i i started to get a little choked up when uh when data woke up and he saw Jordy, and um and then he looked at picard and he said he said captain and i was expecting picard to say, actually is that wrong but uh
7: no we're, we're starting yeah, to the- touch on it and i i was going to hold um discussion of the quote-unquote return of data for for our our last bit to to wrap up the discussion. So before we really get into that final scene with the data amalgamation, does anyone have anything else they wanted to
1: uh, bring up? The um, the Daystrom Institute. Um, can you guys just kind of recap quickly what you've done? <laughs> um, <laughs> well, I
5: actually,
6: did, we didn't we didn't talk about. It. There, there, Just really quickly, this isn't the Daystrom Institute. This, this is a Deistrom Station. Yeah. Station, because okay. we're not confused enough by people naming stuff.
1: This. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, well, I mean that makes sense, and you're right, but I, yeah, you're right. I didn't care. I've, I've just, I've, correct, I've seen correct.
6: other people being confused about that <laughs> online, and I was, no. and I had to look it up and see what, what, and, and it's two different places. Yeah, yeah
1: you're right, that, and that and that makes sense. Is the you know, Institute the is on Earth? Yeah, Warehouse Thirteen. Yeah,
7: yeah. So it's I'm gonna, area thirty one, we've established this. Maybe maybe that was before you got on the call, John. but we're Daystrom station. we're calling it area thirty
1: one. yeah. I heard you mention it. it. I was going I was going to ask it was clever. I didn't I was like, no, that's good. <laughs> Nothing to say. No notes. Um, yeah, i'm gonna I'm gonna take Mario already shows up. he's going to be the AI that's protecting uh, daystrom.'ll mm-hmm. I'll, I'll, I'll take my points for that and yeah, I know data
3: data was the AI
1: I know that okay Moriarty's appearance was as the protector I'm taking it I'm taking credit for that <laughs> um,
3: yeah, certainly... and yes
1: I, I know that it was data underneath but I also in uh and this is what made me think of the whole weaponized nostalgia thing he sees them come in and he's like okay is this Riker is this actually Riker so I need to do a I'm gonna give a Riker a test Riker would know." To whistle the end of Pop Goes Weasel. Let's presume, like, you know, the changeling wouldn't get the reference. But, but again, like all these little things. They even threw a little flashback this time. It was, it was Like, yeah. I like, I, I like the way that they are doing this.
3: It was okay, but it's kind of like if, if like John, if I was trying to find you, and to give me a hint, you referenced some joke that you told me on a car ride when we were doing door-to-door sales 25 years ago. I don't know that I would remember that.
1: Well, okay, but it wasn't one of many cars. It was his first meeting. It was how they met.
5: Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. And it was also I, something now, to be fair. I don't know.
1: remember our first meeting. So your so your your point is your point stands. That's a point. I'm more, I'm much more likely to remember a random joke on a car ride. To be
6: and and Neek, I loved your your pointing out in your recap about that moment of they still hadn't decided data was emotionless at that point. <laughs> and that that yeah grin that half grin Marvelous. he gives riker Mar- yeah. <laughs> i hadn't even remembered that
3: they did that a lot especially in season uh one and two they did a lot of little uh grins and smirks and stuff um i do okay so we're going to talk about data but i do want to uh say that i love that Jordy pushed back that he didn't just go along with what picard wanted him to do mm. um because it's not something that Jordy did a whole lot you know he was used to just follow Picard's orders just do do what the captain says and uh, and now you're not my commanding officer anymore and I know more about this than you and he's a Commodore you know he's not he's not just Lieutenant Commander LaForge anymore so
1: uh, Virginia, Virginia gave us a thumbs up
3: <laughs> gave yeah. a thumbs up at that comment <laughs> yeah, yeah I, think, I think it was great I loved it and, and
6: that's one of the reasons why I said it didn't feel like totally feel like fan service it felt organic that you know we're bringing jordy in here but he's like whoa no i've, I've got kids now and you know as as a as a parent i totally dig that
3: yeah you know? and he shows up he comes up on the screen and you can tell he's not happy and everybody's like jordy it's good to see you listen to me very carefully
5: Jean-
7: <laughs> 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 it it's another example of what they've been doing uh, really well this season they took the time and they came up with a good justification. This is why Jordy doesn't want to do it. Jordy is a family man now. Now he's more worried about the safety of of his daughters than he was ever worried about his own safety back on the
1: Enterprise D. And it's consistent with the theme of the season, which is you'll do anything, you'll do anything to protect your kids. Yeah. Well, maybe
3: now that we've actually seen Jordy and we've had a scene with Jordy and Sydney, we can stop saying that Sydney is related to Geordie every time they show her on screen
7: it was getting a little tiresome <laughs> because they even worked it into this episode before yeah. they got before they got to the museum Picard had to walk up that spoken like a true forge. oh God shut the hell up about it <laughs> I found it a little odd <clears throat> that an ensign on the bridge yeah we know it that he's talking about going to the place where her dad works but to twice speak up in the middle of the bridge and try to tell an admiral, hey, your idea is bad. Mm-hmm. Because when he says set a course for 8th and Prime, and she's like, I don't know if that's a really good idea. Um, you don't say that to an admiral. No, she shouldn't have.
1: Have bridge. you
6: watched Star Trek?
1: <laughs> I'm like, but it's, but it's totally... No, she she wasn't rude about it she was like I don't, and now it's was clearly just her having issues with her dad yeah and, and I, that's I, also that that it grandpa
7: jean luc it's it's not like it didn't make sense I just found it a little
1: a little odd that and at, I, this, and at this point they've been and, through so much together they just, and,
7: and she can do it fine but then after they get there he says you know open a channel to the museum and once again she's like um are you, are you are you sure really
5: she yeah. knows
6: her dad's gonna be pissed <laughs>
5: And that, she yeah, also knows it true. wasn't her fault.
3: <laughs> so this is not okay, so oh, the dated thing. The dated thing.
1: One more uh, thing before the data thing. Okay, go ahead. Uh, I, I love Shaw geeking out meeting with the Forge. Yes, oh, that, was yeah. awesome. that was That was yeah, great. Yeah. The first time in this whole in this whole series where he's humble. <laughs> <laughs>
7: and the yeah. the the look between Picard and Seven. As he is, as he's gushing, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the two of them exchanging that look was fantastic.
3: Um, so th- this this whole data thing, it's not okay, so it's kind of like a whole this is th- that looks like Wayne's basement, but that's not Wayne's basement. Um, because that's not really data, <laughs> data is dead. This is a copy of data and it's in. A new and old body a new body that's an old man. And uh but it's also got lore and law, but the, but not the real lore and not the real law and not the real before. These are all copies that they put into this the same Dan. computer. Yeah. The same computer that and, and and they're and now he's gonna be like schizophrenic data or, or whatever. Okay. But but yeah, I mean they they keep we're 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 looking at this like oh data's back, but it's not. I mean, it, it's not really data, right? Data died. But data also, died. I mean, if you if I mean, if you look at it, this is not really Picard. Picard died. <laughs> <But>.
1: <laughs> <laughs> very true. This so uh, I don't know how many of the people on this call or listening will understand this reference, but uh, Cold Stone from Gargoyles. Uh, that is a very similar storyline. Basically in the show gargoyles they turned stone by day and they were vulnerable they could be smashed um so cold stone well none of the gargoyles had names at the time but they found the pieces in the in the modern actually there's a whole lot of star trek tng so i feel justified in bringing this up Mm uh in the modern in modern times they found pieces of a smashed gargoyle or three smashed gargoyles actually and they fit them together and brought it to life. And so it was this one organic, magical, cybernetic entity, but they would go into his mindscape and you would see the three gargoyles that made him up having conversations about him. Two of them were lovers, one of them was evil. Uh, But it it was, uh, yeah, it's on Disney Plus. Everybody go, (laughs) go watch the Cold Stone episode. Of uh, gargoyles, but the, it, it gave me very. It was very similar to that. So Did you really like ice eating, cream? Was you? Did you like eating ice cream?
6: I get that. It was I not going to say that actually. <laughs>
1: <It> was, <laughs> he he predates the Cold Stone Company. Cold Stone Company. <laughs> I,
6: I I want I, I, w- I want to say something because i for years I have hinted that my appreciation for Brent Spiner's acting has been less than
1: many don't be diplomatic now you said what you said Please I I have never <laughs> thought
6: Brent Spiner was a particularly great actor I thought he he played data really well I've never really seen him do anything else that I thought was great this performance was incredible because be he didn't have to say I am lore I am soon I am you know what you could tell when he changed and I was so impressed to see Brent Spiner pulling off that level of subtlety
3: <laughs> I love Picard's look when 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 Lord uh, when he gave him that smile and he said I'm Lore and they show Picard and Picard's like oh shit
7: <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> this guy <laughs> and I'm with Rick 100% when when Spiner uh, kind of you know tilts his head down and he gets that that grin and mm-hmm. that chuckle yeah 100%, I, he didn't even have to say it. He said, oh, that's Laura's grin. Mm-hmm. And then oh, yeah. the, the blank face when he said, I'm B4. That's, yeah, that's exactly what B4 looked like throughout that whole movie. Every time you saw him, he had that expression on his face. He, he really nailed it very well. I even took particular note of both when Data, I, I'm just going to call him Data. When he, he first should. sees Jordy, he sees him and he just barely starts to turn his head back, and then does a double take, and says, "Jory," yeah. and he does the same thing, the same double take with with Picard. It's not like double takes are some, you know, next level acting trick, but the way he was able to pull them off, they were they were subtle, but they were still there, and. I, I can't really explain why those double takes really, really caught my attention, but they were they were pulled out very very well.
1: Because it's very data. It, it is it is a it's like the head tilt. there's a very distinctive data gesture. Mm-hmm.
3: I like and yeah, Warp is like he's, he's he had on. a reset button? <laughs> yeah, I, Warp I, is not. He, he was not impressed. <laughs>
7: yeah, I, I, I made a note saying, you know Warp, just back off." Is it? Is he malfunctioning? And then when he starts saying Jean-Luc Picard, he's like, does he have a reset switch? You know what, man? Just give him a minute. (laughs) Yeah, when when he started saying Jean-Luc Picard,
3: Jean-Luc Picard, but he was saying it in answer to Picard's question. What did they steal? And he started saying Jean-Luc Picard, Jean-Luc Picard. Uh, Now, it hadn't hit me that they were talking about his actual remains, but I had a feeling it had something to do with Picard
1: of,
3: of what they stole. I think think they
1: cut that scene together well because I think you're supposed to get it right before they do, Mm -hmm. which is what happened for me. Yeah.
3: I
6: I got, uh, and not, you know, because I generally miss shit like this anyway. So I'm not trying to brag or anything. I got it pretty much right away. I was like, okay. Because when he said it the second time, I was like, he's not saying talking to them. He's saying they stole Jean Luc because we saw they had Jim Kirk on ice in there.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Scott, it is totally fine to call him. just as Groot is Groot even though Groot is not Groot Nice, I like
7: it Um, Now, I don't know if we've been talking over Neek because maybe she hasn't been trying to talk, but it feels like We've kind of been uh, monopolizing the discussion. Do you have anything that you want to pitch in? Because we haven't heard from you in a minute.
2: Well, I, you know, I don't, I don't want to be. Uh,
7: She's like, I hated all this. Yeah, this is yeah, a, pretty this, much. You this know, is I'm exactly why. This is exactly why I'm throwing to you right now because <laughs> yeah. I knew you were holding something back.
2: I, I hated it. I hated. I hated data coming back. <laughs> hated it so much. Like, and I love data. I just, I can't anymore with Brent Spiner. And like, no disrespect to him as an actor. I just, he's been in every freaking show. Like, like take a break, dude. Like, they went to so much trouble to wrap up Data in season one.
3: Yeah, that's true.
2: That to now bring it back, I'm like, come on on so like at least they went a bit meta with Rafi being like did not he die twice yeah and like as an audience member i'm like yeah he did please let him stay dead and like i get it it's tng everyone except tasha's back so like i get it you, you can't wait there it. yet
7: it's not over yet <laughs> it's not too late
2: well she's she, she's been pretty salty online about not being invited back but yeah. um yeah, just, I, I understand that you can't do TNG without data but I just, I thought it was cheap, I don't like it, I don't like well, the, the, the way, it, and it, it also doesn't make sense,
5: yeah.
2: I mean, I, I can buy that, you know, Zoom number 4 billion would do this,
5: <laughs>
2: but that Daystrom or that Starfleet would use this thing as a security system? what? Like, yeah, yeah, let's use the thing that has lore in it.
3: Use the thing that's not working right.
2: Yeah. It's we can't wake it up because it's, it's, it's not working right. It's a shitty it, security system. It would
4: have Although, been more sense for Moriarty to be the, the sentient AI that was guarding it.
2: Well, you can't trust Moriarty either. No. And I mean, this could all be because the changelings have infiltrated For a while and they're pulling the strings and so if that ends up being the case i'm like okay otherwise i mean and again i constantly make jokes about how incompetent starfleet security is and maybe this is just another indication of their incompetence but i mean i make those jokes just so i can sleep at night because like the incompetence (laughs) of starfleet security really (laughs) is next level like to use this amalgamation whatever you want to call it as their security system is just
3: well when I heard that when I heard that Brent Spiner was going to be on the show I mean I wasn't surprised you can't really bring back everybody else and not have him there but in the trailer Jordy saw him and Jordy said lore so what I had in my head was that lore was going to be in the show he was going to become some kind of not not a hero but like he was going to do something that was going to be almost like a redemption arc for his character and it was he was gonna be like an anti-hero type but but now you're bringing data back or at least he's part of this don't bring data back just to kill him again. we've already seen him die twice
1: <laughs> I don't know I don't. they're not gonna kill him again they're going to his his journey is going to be uh, his mind is going to be reintegrated. Yeah, he, the, yeah he'll, he, he will be—he be, he will be a complete organism as opposed to this fractured being.
7: All, all the different personalities that are within that synth body are going to be brought together by the end of the season. But before that happens, Lore is going to wrest control away, and he's going to be problematic for at least one episode.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Nick, I'm going to need you to verbally explain your, your, uh, your response because the, the podcasters can't. The, the I
2: just, uh, I'm just so over it. I, I, again, I love data. I just, I don't want more Brent Spiner mugging. And I just don't, again, no disrespect to Brent Spiner. Like, I, I just, I'm tired of them doing the same stuff over and over again. And and I, I just feel like it's been played out. We don't need more lore. It's it's been played out. We, like Spiner at this point, playing a villain is so old hat that it's it, it, yeah. It just it's crazy. He played,
3: yeah, he played a villain last season. So I mean, we had mm-hmm. we had enough of that.
6: <laughs> Can I and let me just clarify because I totally agree with Unique. Um, my my earlier compliments to Spiner were, despite the fact that I would really rather not have Data in this episode, in this season at all. Because yeah, they really bent over backwards to say, all right, we're finally wrapping Data up. And I think that was before they realized, oh, we're going to do a total reboot of TNG for the final season. Well, we already killed Data. Well. <laughs> okay um,
1: Figure it out.
6: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah.
2: There are any number of things they could have done to to bring him back. Like he could have been a hologram or something.
1: I was gonna. I was thinking, yeah, just uh, a you know a holographic sentient AI would have worked. I mean, he could have just downloaded that data downloaded though? data
3: into a into a hologram and put the mobile emitter on him and.
2: No, but what I mean is like, it doesn't have to be data because they they because they did in fact go to so much trouble to kill him. Yeah. To, to wrap him up. So it's like you know, you know, make an episode where you acknowledge him, and everyone's like, "Oh, we miss Data, whatever." That's enough to be like, "Yes, this is TNG. All your favorites are being acknowledged," but you don't have to have him be so fully integrated. I, I just you, you, know, you don't I, have
7: to make him a main character for
1: the back half of the season.
2: Yeah, exactly. I, I mm-hmm.
1: hear you. I don't know personally. I don't know if I would have liked that any better, and I. I am okay with them bringing him back because they kind of explained it, and yeah, whatever. Like it's it's really as as you all acknowledge, you if you're having everybody back, you should you, you, know, you have him back. Um, I would have been fine without him, um, story wise, but you have him back, that's fine. I don't know that just bringing him if if everybody else is along for the ride for the duration of the season. For him to be Tasha, Yar, I mean not Tasha, Yar, uh, Ro. Whereas like he's important in this one episode and then he's gone. You know, especially if they killed him again, like no. But just for him, <laughs> for him to be, for him to be gone again at the end of the episode, but not see the journey of the crew to the end with the rest of the crew, would have felt. Wrong. I, I would have rather he did not be there or he go with them. He go the distance with. them.
7: And I, I at least appreciate the fact that they.
1: But I also I completely get where you're coming from. Yeah, I'm not. And, this, that is not me disagreeing with you. Just my preference.
7: Yeah, and I I, I understand it as well. Um, I at least appreciate the fact that it seems like the writers did put some time and effort into figuring out how to bring a representation of data back. It didn't seem like they just. So okay, he's going to be here. Um, well, why is he back? Uh, we can take two lines to explain that, and it doesn't have to make sense. It just has to sort of qualify as as a justification.
1: They, yeah, which is which is what you we have come to expect from Star Trek. That's what I'm saying. Like Picard's like a, it's not, it's working on a whole other level for me this season at least. Yeah,
7: they're they're taking the time, they're putting in the effort in in writing these scenes and and. Looking at different, uh, you know, uh, moral and ethical dilemmas, and they're looking at it from multiple angles, and they're they're really talking it out and examining these things, going all the way back uh, several episodes with uh, Picard and Beverly having their first conversation. Those writers brought brought their game to writing that scene, and it showed because they did it very very well, and they're doing that this this whole season. They're making sure that things make sense, maybe not perfect sense all
1: the time. More sense the Starcheck uses makes. There you go. There you and uh, Rick, you 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 said about when uh LaForge first beamed on the ship, and he's like, you know, I just I was trying to decide, you know, whether to hug you or not. Um, you're like, yeah, I'm pissed at you guys. That that wasn't, or at least I didn't hear that as uh, you bringing this bullshit to my doorstep as much as. Beverly, what the f***? you haven't talked to anybody for twenty years?
6: Yeah, that well, that was that was part of it too. You're right.
1: I, that to me was more of it because I, I don't I don't think it was. Uh, I think it was should I am I gonna hug Beverly mm. after after she, her ghosting everybody <laughs> for two decades?
7: Because you notice he didn't even give a handshake to anyone else. I hadn't looked at it that way, but I I like that better. Him, it, he's referring specifically to her, and whether he's going to give her. A handshake or a hug because of what yes. she did, not that is, that is how I saw you it. as a crew. What you guys have done,
5: yeah. I like, and, I like and, that, and that,
6: is, and that is in keeping with the 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 theme of the season, which is he was like, yeah, I'm mad at you, but you're still family. Come over here, give me a hug now. what? We'll
7: <laughs> <sighs> okay, I think that we have covered just about everything. Maybe some stuff too much. But <laughs> unless anyone else has anything really important that they want to sneak in before we wrap it up, I think that is going to take us to the end. Nobody's
3: did, you guys, did you guys okay. notice the nope. Cerritos at the Fleet Museum?
5: No,
1: because it wasn't there. You're no, lying. it wasn't. It wasn't, <laughs> You're it wasn't there. Uh, this is not particular to this episode, but in the little intro thing where they, you know, where they show the ship flying by, making the little Federation thing. Yeah. Have you have you guys talked about the Easter eggs on Picard, the season of Picard? Uh, I believe that's there's one where we see the strike, and I think uh, one of those is the nebula with the little uh, space babies.
7: Oh, I, I didn't think. notice that. I have not noticed this the nebula space babies, but, but I think sh- that's what it was.
1: It, it is it is. I think it's the last. One, it's on the right, and it is a cloud with little yellow dots in it. So I'm interpreting that as that.
7: I'm I'm going to look for that next time I watch an episode. The 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 Shrike has been there, if not from from episode one, at least from uh, episode two on. It's episode one. Like I it,
1: think I think so. I think they've all been there. It, it was there from the beginning. Okay. I think so. Um, yeah, but
7: yeah, I, I but don't I, think. But we I didn't know. It.
1: We didn't know what it was, but I think that ship was in the intro. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't notice that.
7: All right, let us go around (laughs) the table for the standard pitch plug promote. I'm not going to call it what I called it last time. That's good. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Tom, have you got anything that you want people to be aware of?
4: Nothing. I've got nothing.
7: (laughs) (laughs) All right, Sean, what about you? What, What do you got for the people?
3: I am not opposed to the fake-out trope. I have used the fake-out trope plenty of times in my own writing. However, when you use the fake-out trope six times in one episode, it's very excessive, and I don't... Uh, and I think it's uh, it be, it becomes a crutch at that point for an episode that really only had about ten minutes of substance. The scene with Roe and Picard was awesome, and I loved it and got... A little teary-eyed, but I think that they wasted time uh at the beginning of it with them not knowing, I don't is she a changing? Is he a changing? I don't know. And uh once we see once we see Jack have this hallucination of killing people once or twice, that's enough. We don't have to see it three or four times in the same scene. And then you have Rafi uh get shot. No, it's not Rafi, she's a hologram. Uh Wharf gets killed. No, he's not dead because he gets back up, of course. Uh, and uh, so that's why I didn't like last episode, but uh, as I said, I wasn't watching it through real colored glasses like uh, everybody else was, but um, so I just wanted to put that in there, and I wanted to put it here at the end so that you guys wouldn't argue with me. So,
5: <laughs>
1: me next, me next.
7: <laughs> I'm I'm going to be curious to find out if that becomes an after-credit bonus scene, that whole thing right there.
4: My favorite was John finally realizing the point. Uh, <laughs> seeing his face when he realized where Sean was going. Other than
3: that, you can find me here on uh, on this podcast occasionally. I'm, I'm, I I try to be here every at least every other week. Uh, and over on Cosmic Potato, where we are watching and reviewing every episode of
1: Sliders. All right, John, what do you got for the people? Uh, You can catch uh, Captain Game Show, also on this network, the trivia web-play podcast of the Infinite Potato Alliance Network. I was not watching through rogue-colored glasses. I thought the scene was great uh, on its own. The fake-out, okay, he had hallucinations twice, uh, which which set him up for- It was at least four times. No. (laughs) He had I believe me, I watched this episode a lot. This fucking recaps are murder. <laughs> he had he had two hallucinations. He had one on the bridge. He had one uh in the transporter room. He had and two
3: the- in the transporter room. He had two hallucinations in the same scene.
1: He did not.
7: Yes, it he was did. It was. It was a.
1: It was one extended hallucination.
3: He was, had a. He had a hallucination where they were dying in the transporter
1: beam, and then oh, he had okay. another but, one where he was having. But not somebody. a. But not a murdery hallucination. Okay, well, like, like he was hallucination. them with his mind or something
2: Please, gentlemen. Can we just? Can we please just go get the manifest?
1: <laughs> uh, <laughs> damn it! That was good. <laughs> right. Captain Game Show. It's great.
5: <laughs>
1: All right. Rick twice thought it twice in one episode. Damn you people. <laughs>
7: <laughs> Rick, what do you got for the people?
1: Uh you can find me here
6: on this show, occasionally on Captain Game Show, and uh, nowhere else right now. So um I I just wanna say as the world thaws out, uh sunscreen, please folks, wear your sunscreen. And you do not have to drink eight glasses of water a day. That is a myth from the fifties. Just drink when you're thirsty. You'll be
0: fine.
7: And finally, Neek, what do you got?
2: You can go to superanemic.com to read my comic recaps of Star Trek, where I'm pretty sure I managed to be less negative than I am on this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) And
6: by the way, your recap of this episode, one of your best. (laughs) Thank
5: you. (laughs)
7: And uh, I can be found, obviously, uh, right here on this show, as well as Cosmic Potato taking part in the the discussions of sliders. Uh, And for non-audio work, you can visit my website at www.planetrisecreative.com and see some of the graphic artwork that I uh, post up there for fun and sometimes for profit. Uh, And as already mentioned, John, feel free to cut this part out if it's too repetitive, uh, everyone keep your eyes open on Facebook for the Star Trek Quarterly, uh, the uh, four times a year free online fanzine where I'm going to have a short story published soon. I don't know when the issue is coming out, but the spring edition is
1: coming soon, and I'm going to be in it. Awesome. Woo-hoo.
5: Awesome. <laughs> and we live let, me out,
1: let me cut out the, the legit uh, Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs>
3: we left uh, repetitive back an hour ago so
7: nah, <laughs> <fair>. <laughs> all right that takes us to the end thank you everyone for downloading for listening and for hopefully subscribing to this podcast uh come back next week where we will be discussing star trek picard season three episode seven titled dominion
0: Thank you for joining us for this episode of That Star Trek Podcast. You can contact us on Facebook and Twitter, or you can send us an email at thatstartrekpodcast at gmail.com. Help the show grow by giving us a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcatcher. Be sure to join us again next time on That Star Trek Podcast.
6: Have you seen the Enterprise incident? Have you never encountered an ex? Like they haven't even watched Prodigy. Have you never been to a hangar bay? Have you watched Star Trek?